Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Dr. E.J. McKenzie on Blog Talk Radio. Today, that your day has been blessed, awesome, powerful, dynamite, glorious, and all the above. For surely this is the day that the Lord has made, in it we rejoice, and we certainly are glad in it. Why? Because Jesus is still sitting on the throne. That means that what the Lord God has promised you and spoken in your life, He just waited. Many times it's not so much. God can't do a thing. Many times God is waiting on us to divinely align with the thing. Uh, I want to share some principles with you uh, today. Uh, that's some things that kind of been sharing in uh, our Sunday morning services. Uh, very important because we're God to have the body of Christ at this present time. Uh, one of the things I've been sharing lately, a principle that the heavens determines everything. And and my, I know that sounds simple, but if that is the case, if the heavens determines everything in our lives, where is, where is God thrown in the heavens? Who created the heavens and the earth? God. If a person is the creator of a thing, then the person is the determining factor of the thing. All of you that's joined us this t- today, uh, if you have a vehicle, your vehicle usually comes with an owner's manual. With the owner's manual, it tell you every detail about that car for you to take care of that car and for that car to be able to function in an optimum uh, perspective. Maximum perspective. So if, if I do everything that the owner's manual tells me to do, the car should last me a long time. Keeping the uh, oil change, changing at a uh, certain many, uh, certain a certain amount of miles, certain amount of miles, get the tires rotated and balanced. So it, it tells you how to uh, take care of the interior. If you have leather seats, uh, uh, what to use on the leather seats. If you have uh, a DVD, uh, not DVD, but a CD uh, player, it tells you how uh, to work it. It tells you how to work the air condition. It tells you how to work the uh, uh, the steering. If you got a steering that can go up and down, back and forth, uh, the owner's manual. The manual could not be created or written if um, uh, if the person who created the uh, the vehicle uh, didn't create the vehicle. The one that created it can write a manual on it. If there's no creation, a manual cannot be written on it. Were you made in the image and the likeness of God? That's a question I'm asking you. Were you made in the image and likeness of God? Absolutely. Then God knows every single thing about you, doesn't he? And he has the manual on your spirit, soul, heart, mind, and body. He has the manual for your destiny, your purpose. There are certain fundamentals and basics that every car functions on. Basically, every car uh, use some kind of gasoline. Uh, it's a diesel, um, this other kind of gasoline they have, now that's mixed with corn, uh, uh, gasoline made from corn. So you got, But it's, it's a certain type of gasoline. Every car has a motor. All cars have tires. So there's some basics that every car have. There's some basics that every born-again believer should function in. And then there's some specifics. You got the basics as a born again believer, and then you have some specialties. You got some cars, are specialty cars, but they run. They they have the same. Uh, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? 
I won't say apparatus, but they have the same thing that make the car a car. Every car got an engine, regardless of what kind of gasoline you use, but it's an engine. Uh, basically, every car have tires. So there's some fundamentals that every car usually have. And then they get into the specialties. You got uh, convertibles, a hard top convertibles, soft top convertibles. Uh, then you have cars that is not convertibles. Uh, you got cars uh, 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 with refrigerators in them when you get to the high-end cars. But we don't want to get into that. What we want to talk about the principle here is that uh, God himself has determined. So if I'm, if I'm going to experience a level of measure of success, and success is really what the heavens has determined, the prophet said something in the word of the Lord, in Jeremiah, God says to Jeremiah, he said, Before you was formed in your mother's womb, I knew you and ordained you to be a prophet. I want you to think about that. Before you was formed in your mother's womb, I knew you and I ordained you. Before you was formed, ordained you to be a prophet. Before you was formed in your mother's womb, God knew you. And God ordained you to be a male or a female. Before you was formed in your mother's womb, God knew you. God ordained for you to be an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. He ordained you to be a businessman. He ordained you to be a political leader. Before you was formed in your mother's womb, God knew you and has ordained you to be somebody in the earth. Now, I think probably the frustration comes in is, is we are trying to fit in something that the heavens has not ordained for you and I to try to endeavor to be. And so, therefore, there's going to be frustration. There's going to be aggravation. You're trying to fit. That's just like if you have a, uh, your feet is a, a foot is a, is a size 10. If you have size 10 and you're trying to get an 8, now, you know that's going to be difficult, isn't it? That's going to be very difficult for a 10 to fit an 8. A 9 may squeeze in there, but he, I mean, you're going to pay a price. A lot of our lives is like that. we frustrated, aggravated, be trying to fit in something that a mold that God have not called us. You're trying to fit in the apostle's mold when God called you to be a pastor. You're trying to fit in the pastor mold when God called you to be an evangelist. You're trying to fit in the prophet mode when God called you to be a teacher. And some people is, is bold enough to go change it to change the mode. God called you to be a male and you going to be and, and going and, and fitting in a female mode. That's not God, ladies and gentlemen. The heavens determines. Now it's very important that you understand what the Lord is saying today. The heavens determines your destiny. The heavens determine it. So if heaven determines, okay, when God created man in his image and his likeness, heaven determined, let man have dominion of the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, and over everything that creepeth upon the face of the earth. That was an ordained audience, uh, um, excuse me, command, uh, an ordained command from the Most High God. Now, if the man tried to do anything else besides that, the man will experience frustration because he's really sinning against heaven. He's sinning against heaven. Heaven determines. Heaven determines. Now, I want you to look at something here because what I really want to talk about is the generations. I want to talk about generational blessings and generational iniquity patterns uh, that parents establish. I'm doing, I'm doing a series uh, called Connecting and Affecting the Generations. Uh, connecting and Affecting. Every generation is, a, is, is connected to the previous generation. And determining what the previous generation did is going to affect the, the, the next generation. And, and ladies and gentlemen, this is why I believe the word of God says, Jesus, uh, Jesus made a statement in the gospel. He said, when the Son of Man comes back on earth, will he find faith? The reason there may be a lack of faith, there's a question. The reason there may be a lack of faith is because... Um, Parents don't understand the importance of preparing the next generation. 
we prepare the next generation to be golfers. Uh, uh, we prepare them to be basketball players and football players and trike player, uh, runners and uh, wrestlers and swimmers. Uh, and nothing wrong with all of that if that's what the heavens has determined. That's what we have to discover as parents. What is the heaven saying? Now, uh, I made a mistake with my oldest daughter. Uh, 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 when I discovered as a young man, being mentored by my spiritual father, when I found out about Rhema, Rhema was the hottest thing during that time, Bible uh, college to go to, Bible school to go to. Man, you go to Rhema, man, you got it made because, I mean, they teach you some awesome things, whatever the case may be. But God closed the door on me because that was not heaven's purpose for me. But I sent my oldest daughter there. I sent my oldest daughter there by me sending her there thinking that this would benefit her, and it didn't. It didn't. You want to know why? Because I wanted her to be able to do something I did not do, but that's not what the heavens had determined, because if the heavens had determined her to be at Rhema, uh, uh, what would have happened? Her spirituality would have broke out and ways and dimensions would have superseded me in leaps and bounds, which that's what every parent desires. Every parent that's, that's sound want their children to supersede them. They want their children to supersede them. That's in uh, um, business. That's in uh, marriage. That's in life. That's in everything. I really have a passion uh, for that. Not only for my natural children, but my spiritual children as well. I really have a passion. To see all of my spiritual sons and daughters just supersede me in leaps and bounds. Uh, to me, it's a thrill. To me, it's a joy. To me, uh, it's the ultimate to me because you can sit back and look and say, Lord, my life was beneficial because look at my sons and daughters. They have superseded their daddy. That's my passion. Jesus, that was Jesus' passion. You shall do, be able to do the works that I do in greater works than these. Jesus told his disciples. That is the law of succession. And we understand the law of succession. The next generation will supersede the previous generation, but usually it's negative and not positive. So God has set up a system of progression. Listen to the scripture, if you will, uh, and, and we have to get this down pat uh, as uh, um, uh, parents or leaders. Judges chapter 2, verse 10, notice what it says, if you will. When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose. After them who did not know the Lord. Now listen to this again now. When all that generation had been gathered together to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work of which he had done for Israel. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. Verse 12, and they forsook the Lord God of their fathers. They did what? They forsook the Lord God of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they followed other gods from whom excuse not whom, from among the gods of the people who were all around them. It kind of sounds like our children being affected by everything that's around them, but not God. And they bowed down to them, and they provoked them, the Lord to anger. Now, how did this happen? Notice again, when all the generation had been gathered to their fathers, Another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done for Israel. Are you hearing this? It's my responsibility as a leader. It's my responsibility as a parent. It's my responsibility as the head of my household. It's to teach my wife, my children, the way of the Lord. And see... I'm going to tell you how I do this thing. From time to time, I sit down with my family. And they, they, my family looks at the things, uh, the, 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 
the small level of success that we have experienced. I'm always rehearsing in the ears of my family, especially my daughters. I'm always rehearsing in the ears of my daughters that it's the Lord who have done this thing. It's the Lord who have blessed your father. I'm always telling them this. I'm always, I want them to know this without a shadow of a doubt. I share my life with them. I share the struggles. I share where I come from. I share how I was raised. I share where I was raised. I said, what you see your father has accomplished is not because your father is a smart man. It's not because your father is such a wise man. I said, God has accomplished the things in me simply because I believe him and trust him. I'm willing to do whatever he tells me to do. I'm willing to say what he would have me to say. I'm willing to go wherever he would have me to go. I trust him. I believe that word. I tell them about the things that uh, 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 Kathy and I went through when we first got married, where we had nothing, box spring and a mattress, but we stayed loyal to God. See, God has to test us. See, see, they need to hear this. You want to know why? That when I am gathered, Kathy is gathered to our fathers in heaven, or to the Lord God in heaven, my prayer to God that they will know the Lord and they will not forsake the God of E.J. McKenzie. They will not forsake the God of Kathy McKenzie. That our children, the next generation, will uh, will walk in the strength and the authority and the power of their father. They can tell the story to their children where their daddy come from. And they can tell the story to their children that my faith is strong in God because of my daddy. My father's relationship with God stirred me up. My father's relationship with God kept me. My father's relationship with God sustained me. The children of Israel always articulating the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. That is the fourth generation. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then the 12 apostles, uh, 12 apostles the 12 uh, sons of Jacob, which establish uh, the 12 uh, uh, tribes of Israel. Satan's ultimate goal is to interrupt what God has done in the father's life to cut it off so it will not go to the next generation. Satan understands greater than the church do the law of succession. Satan understands if it ever gets to the fourth generation, it's going to be almost difficult to stop the momentum that has been started. It got to the fourth generation. Abraham, first generation. Isaac, second generation, Jacob, third generation, and the 12 sons, the fourth generation. And the nation of Israel is still in existence today because the blessings of God reach to the fourth generation. The number four is the number of foundation. So God began to build this nation from the 12 sons of Jacob. Are you hearing me? And I believe God's going to judge us severely as parents, as apostles and prophets and evangelists, pastors and teachers, that we're not preparing the next generation. And we're not instructing the next generation the importance of instructing their, uh, not only their generation, but the generations coming after them. And sharing the importance of, uh, of preparing them to the fourth generation. Let's look at it spiritually. If I look at it spiritually, Dr. Brown is my spiritual father. I'm the second generation, or I'm the third generation, because of his spiritual father, uh, uh, Bishop James. Bishop James then would be considered the first, if I look at it that way, the first generation, Dr. Brown, the second generation, I'm the third generation, if I look at it from that perspective. Now, or I'm the first generation. Now, I'm the first one in my household to get saved. So I will be considered, uh, uh, in my immediate family, I will be considered the first generation of my immediate family. I'm sure there are some people in my lineage that were saved before me, 
uh, I have not discovered that and, and it's investigated uh, uh, who's who, but I heard we had preachers in our, our lineage. But what God has started in me, if this is not imparted to my daughters, and, and, and if they get married, then that's going to be a whole different situation because now if they when they get married, because they will get married. I've been praying for their husbands ever since they was in the womb. But when they get married, then whatever the grace anointing that is on uh, that their husbands will be contingent upon what will happen to the next generation because they're going to take somebody else's last name. They're not going to have my last name unless they marry someone with my last name. So you got to understand. So preparing to the next generation. This is how Satan operates. I want you to think about it. Think about it. There was a man that appeared in the Bible in, in, in Kings, a prophet who appeared in the word of the Lord. His name was Elijah. He just showed up. There's no history on where he come from. Uh, he just shows up. Now, one of the things you, you can, you can kind of understand where he come from and how he was raised up based on his relationship with Elisha. Elisha, God spoke to Elijah and said, I want you to go and throw your mantle on Elisha and anoint him in your stead. Is it possible that somebody got told to go throw their mantle on Elijah? The Bible talk about that. But we can kind of see patterns in the word of the Lord. Because the Bible cannot talk about every detail. So here's Elijah. The man of God, God used him great signs, wonders, and miracles. He throws his mantle upon Elisha. Now, my, my question is, as God just quickened to me, my question would be to you, who mantle are you carrying? Who mantle are you carrying? Because every, if you have a mantle, mantles is given by relationship. Mantles is passed on by relationship. What mantle are you functioning up, up under? What mantle? So here we see, and watch it right, in the, the, the strength of your mantle is contingent upon, watch it right, your assignment, your relationship with God, your assignment from God, your ability to execute that assignment, explicitly will determine the strength of your mantle. Now, God doesn't give you a mantle just to give you a mantle. He gives you a mantle so that mantle can be released on someone else. Why? For God to continue to increase in the earth realm. Mantles come from God. It's a certain dimension of God or anointing of God that comes upon you and to execute his heart, his mind, his will in the earth. As a man obeys God, that mantle is solidified. That mantle is solidified and executing the heart of the mind of God. God said, okay, Elijah, I want you to go and throw your mantle upon Elisha and anoint him in your stead. He throws his mantle. The natural mantle is a representation of a spiritual mantle that will come upon Elisha. Now, you've got to understand how God operates, ladies and gentlemen. Clothing is very important as well because your clothing in the, in the kingdom of God uh, uh, represents something spiritual. It represents something spiritual. The attire that Aaron and his sons had to wear was a representation of something spiritual in heaven. Your kingdom come, that your will will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Moses, make sure you build according to the pattern of heaven. Build according to what? The pattern of heaven. So what Moses built in the earth is what was already built in heaven. I'm going to say it again. What Moses built in the earth is what God had already built in the heavens. Whatever God determines about you, it is already established in the heavens. 
Whatever God has promised you is already established in the heavens. Nothing comes here that is not already established in the heavens. Nothing. Nothing you receive from God that you didn't receive it because it has already been established in the heavens literally before the foundation of the world. This is how this thing works. Satan understands it greater than the average born-again believer understands it. So what happens, if Satan understands it, then what's the goal is? Let me get you, or let me manipulate you with the person that has the mantle to pass on to you. Let me plant a seed in your mind. Let me distort your mentality. Let me plant a seed of a lie in there. In your mind, mantles been passed on. God increasing in the earth realm. Now watch this right here. So Elijah executing the heart of the mind of God. Elisha follows him. Now watch the responsibility of the man that has the mantle and the man that is receiving the mantle. Let's look at the responsibility of the relationship. Now who determined this? God did. What did God say? Elijah, go throw your mantle on Elisha and anoint him in your stead. He's going to be the next generation of prophet. You're to, you're to disciple him. You're to help prepare him for the next generation. That's your responsibility. Okay. Elisha, go find Elisha. He find him plowing 12 yokes of oxen, that 12 again, government. He throws his mantle on Elijah. When he throws his mantle on Elijah, he kept on walking. He didn't stop and say, listen, God told me to throw my mantle on you. He said nothing. He just obeyed God. He went and threw his mantle on Elijah. He Obey God. Who obey God? Elijah. Elijah, listen to me. Elijah was not responsible for Elisha's response. I'm going to say it again. Elijah was not responsible for Elisha's response. Not at all. Elijah was responsible for doing what God told him to do. So he was responsible for it. And this should help you to understand how to raise your children and to raise leaders up. So many times we like we begging people to receive your grace and your anointing. That you don't went through hell to obey God. Not I. Watch this here. He throws his mantle upon Elijah, or Elisha, and he kept on walking. Elisha says, Wait, master, wait, wait. Let me go say bye to my dad and my mama. <laughs> and when I first got saved and read this right here, I said, man, these people are cruel back then. Now, why I said that? Because I didn't understand the mind of God. I didn't understand responsibility. I didn't understand obedience. I didn't afford as from a biblical perspective. Naturally, I did. But watch this right here. Elisha said, what I got to do with you? That sounds cold on it. What do I have to do with you? And he kept on walking. Why? Elisha needed what Elijah had. And Elijah was going to get blessed one way or the other because he obeyed what God told him to do. He wasn't responsible for Elisha catching the anointing of the mantle. He wasn't responsible for Elisha's response, a lack of response. He was only responsible for one thing. Go throw your mantle on Elisha and anoint him in your stead. He threw his mantle on him, anointed him in his stead, and kept on booking. Wait, master, wait, wait. What do I have to do with you? And he kept on walking. So he went home. Killed the uh, ox, had a party, 
told his family by. Rand caught up, found Elisha. And he was with Elisha to the day that the whirlwind came to take him out. Now watch this right here. Here's a, here's a divine principle. Here's a divine principle. Ladies and gentlemen, always understand this right here. Your greatest test with your leader, with your parents, with your authority has been assigned to your life. Your greatest test will usually, usually be at the breaking of your greatest blessing. Your greatest challenge at the breaking of your great, uh, 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 breaking of your, uh, what else did I say? Let me stop. Your greatest blessing is right at the break, or your greatest challenge at the break of your greatest blessing. Elisha understood the law of reciprocity, okay? You serve me. You've been with me. I'm getting ready to leave. What do you want before I leave? What do you want? Before I leave, because this is a law. This is a law. What do you want? Because you served me. It's in your service. You have obeyed God. I obeyed God by throwing the mantle on you. I obeyed God by anointing you. You have obeyed God by serving me. So I'm getting ready to leave. What do you want? You have sown to me, carnal. Now I'm to sow to you a release to you spiritual. Spiritual is always greater than the natural. Talking to a young man uh, uh, today, I gave him an assignment of uh, uh, reading the Proverbs. In this assignment, uh, I said, read a proverb a day. That's what me and my family do. Started this a few years ago. Um According to the day, you read Proverbs. Today is July the 1st, so you will read Proverbs 1 today. I tell them to read it out of the Amplified Version or the Message Bible. Just look at different translation as you're reading it and write down what the Lord spoke to you today. Next month, when you go to um, August 1st, see what God speaks and compare. If God spoke something totally different to you in July than he did in August. If he did not, most likely you have not grown. You have not grown. Are you, are you getting this? So, July the 5th, you read Proverbs 5. July uh, 10th, you read Proverbs 10. And this may be uh, something good for those that are struggling your morning devotion. You don't know how to have a devotion, don't have a devotional life. That will be a blessing to you. You come before the Lord in the morning, whatever time, you make a commitment to him, and you go through that. Let God speak to you. Let the Holy Spirit minister to you. And I guarantee it will carry you all day long because you're going to require that that day. Something's going to happen. The Holy Spirit is going to bring that, back, that scripture back to your remembrance that he spoke to you, or several scriptures. He spoke to you in your time of devotion. Proverbs will revolution your mind if you apply what the Spirit of God speaks to you out of that. Because Proverbs talks about wisdom is better than silver, it's better than gold, it's better than rubies. Silver, uh, uh, Wisdom is better than all of it. Why? Because wisdom was there when God created it. Wisdom said, I was with him. When he fashioned the worlds, put them in place. When he created the heavens, I was with him. Wisdom. People go after money and silver and gold, but not wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to apply knowledge. It's see, wisdom is seeing every circumstance or situation the way God sees it. You see it from God's perspective, wisdom. You can see a thing that appears to be negative in the natural, but wisdom has the ability to penetrate it and see glory out of it. Wisdom. And you don't get wisdom just by reading Proverbs. You get wisdom by the application of Proverbs, doing what it says, doing what it says. Now, let's go on. So here's Elijah. He says, uh, what do you want? These are principles, ladies and gentlemen. You want to know why a lot of people are not progressing? And you want to know uh, why the next generation that is raised up don't know God? Because we, don't, we do not have a system. 
for establishing the next generation to supersede the previous generation. There's no system. The majority of our churches, what system do you have in your church? If you're a pastor that's listening to me today, what system do you have in your church that if you die, the anointing will stay in your church and it's going to go to the next level? It's going to supersede you. And when that's a system, a system of raising up sons and daughters. Because inheritance doesn't go to church members. I'm going to say it again. Inheritance does not go to church members. Inheritance goes to sons and daughters. So are you a son or a daughter? Are you just a church member of a church? Inheritance. And and God been dealing with me about this 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 thing. And I since I've been meditating on this thing and 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 uh, 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 listening to some of these principles in a church, I personally believe that there should be at least uh, uh, three to four generations. If it, it depends on how long the church is, how old the church is, of fathers in the church, of mothers in the church. I'm gonna give you an example. Now, if I understood, if I have understood this. When I first started this church, we probably have four generations of fathers and mothers in the church. I would raise up sons and daughters in the church when I first started this church. And as we continue to grow, then then my sons and daughters will raise up sons and daughters. We'll be in the same church. And then their sons and daughters will raise up sons and daughters in the same church. But the anointing on me would have passed down to my sons and spiritual sons and daughters. And then the anointing on them, watch this right here, they'll take my anointing plus their anointing. So their anointing has increased. My anointing and their anointing has already increased. Then they will, they, they got sons and daughters that qualify for inheritance. They will receive it. They will take my anointing, their father's anointing, and their anointing. Then they will take their, uh, they have sons and daughters. Their sons and daughters would take their own anointing that God has given them, their father's anointing, then their father's father's anointing, then my anointing. If it's prophetic, if it's signs, wonders, and miracles, whatever it is, can you imagine an explosion in the earth? The devil, demons, nobody could stop the kingdom of God because of the momentum it has reached to the fourth generation. And the next thing you know, a soup, God can build a superstructure because it has reached the fourth generation. But Satan, no, if I can cut it off, let it don't reach the fourth generation. Let me cut it off before it reached the fourth, the, either the third, the third or fourth generation. Let me cut it off. Usually that's where it'd be cut off at the third and fourth. And what happens when it's cut off to the third or fourth generation? You got to start all over again. And that's why we don't see momentum. If if the church understood this, if everybody understood this right here, from the day of Pentecost to now, are you can you imagine what the the Holy Ghost felt on the church 120 on the day of Pentecost? We see the boldness of unlearned men. We see signs, wonders, and notable miracles being wrought by ordinary people, not just the apostles. Can you imagine this passing down to the next generation, the next generation, all the way to 2013? Man, the earth will be full of the glory of God. Man, demons will be hiding. They will be afraid to visit the earth because of the power of God that has perpetuated itself all the way to, the, to this particular generation. But Satan knows. He knows all I got to do is just get one generation to doubt, to rebel against their authority. And just get one generation to rebel. I will block and stop. I will, I will cause that grace that anointing that has built itself up to the second generation, built itself up to the third generation, I'm going to cause the fourth generation to rebel against the third generation and I'm going to cause that anointing to cease and it will die. It will never be able to be passed on. And now they got to start all over again. At least I killed the momentum. That's how saving thing can operate, ladies and gentlemen. Save thing can operate. But as parents, how many parents understand this? How many leaders understand this? And 
and we're preparing the next generation. Then Elisha received a double portion. He received a double portion. Then Elisha turns right, give him a spiritual son. The spiritual son of Elisha was named who? Jehazi. Jehazi was the spiritual son of Elisha. Here Elisha has received a double portion, served the man of God. God called, he got caught up into the third heavens. Chariot fire came and picked him up. Now he's walking in a double full anointing in the earth realm. Elisha did double the miracles of Elijah. He did what? Double the miracles of Elisha. Now he has a spiritual son that he's preparing to receive his grace, his mantle. Then one day, this man, captain of the Syrian army, had a slave Jewish girl working in his household, telling the stories of Elisha, what a mighty prophet Elisha is, the signs, the wonders, and the miracles that God has done through Elisha. When he come home, his wife tell him about uh, the stories of Elisha from this Jewish slave girl. He said, what? He can heal my leprosy? Listen, there's nothing to do hard for Elisha. He's a man of God. He's okay. He goes to his king, the king of Syria, and says, listen, I heard about this prophet in Israel. Send me to this uh, prophet and, and so he can heal me of my leprosy. He writes a letter to the king of Israel. King of Israel read it and tear his clothes. Said he's trying to pick a fight with me. Who can who can heal people of leprosy but God? He's trying to pick a fight with me. While Elisha's in his home, God reveals to him the letter that the king read. He sent a message to the king and said, Don't worry about the king. Have the man to come to me. You know the story. Naaman came with him, but he'd come with gifts. He'd come with mules, loads of Everything, food, gold, silver, uh, uh, clothing, changing of clothing, everything. Meets, comes to the house, Elijah, Elijah don't even come out of the house. He sends Jehazah. That's how prophets were trained back then. Can you speak every word that I speak without deviation or alteration? That's a relish that you have the ability to hear. If you can hear me, then I know you'll hear God when God speaks to you. That's how they was trained. He sends him out of the house, tell him what this, uh, tell him to tell Naaman uh, to go and dip seven times in Jordan. He will be made whole. He got upset, fired up, angry. He didn't receive his gift. Now here's the test. Here is the test of a man receiving the mantle of your leader. Elijah rejected it. Why do you think Elijah, Elisha rejected it? Because heaven rejected it. The first time Jehazah, uh, uh, the servant of Elisha, saw the man of God reject a gift. Because you never came to the prophet empty-handed. So it was out of, it was out of order. It, it, that wasn't natural. So he go and dip seven times, come up whole. Jehazah said in his heart, wait a minute here. Ain't nowhere in the world he going to get away with this here. Now, my master done turned down this gold and this silver, and he done got his healing, and he going to leave here without giving up some. Ain't nowhere in this world. So he go. And he lie on his master. To lie on his master is to lie on God. Because his master or his father in the Lord is a man of God. So God, heaven rejected the gift. Elisha rejected the gift. Then his servant should have rejected the gift. But he goes after the gift. He goes after the money. The money that his father has rejected because heaven rejected it. And don't you understand when you reject what your leader or when you uh, what you reject what heaven reject is a curse on it. 
because they have not been approved by heaven. So you're going after something that heaven has rejected. If you become one with what heaven has rejected, then God, heaven rejects you. Are you getting this? And that's why our churches is always an ebb and a flow with the grace and anointing. Because we have carnal sons and daughters, they care more about earthly things than they do spiritual things. And so the, the mantle and the anointing and the grace cannot pass on to the next generation because Satan has manipulated our Jehazars, the next generation. Jehazar would have been the third generation, and he went after things. He went after deceitful riches, and he didn't go after true riches. True riches, ladies and gentlemen, is the grace, the favor, the anointing, the mantles. True riches is, is the spirit that created the natural. But he went out the, look, what's his right? Being with the man of God all these years, the dead raised. Axe flowing out of the water, axe head flowing from the top by a stick being thrown in the water. Waters that was bitter being turned sweet. The stew that was had poison in it became, uh, 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 the, the poison was destroyed. All these miracles. All the things he's seen, the power of the Spirit, he rejected it for some gold. He rejected it for some, a change of garments. He went after the mundane and not the spiritual. So he comes back to his, his master, comes back to his spiritual father. Spiritual of uh, Jehazah. Yes, father. Where have you been? Oh, I, I, oh, I haven't been nowhere. Brought it back, hid it in his tent. Did not my spirit go with you? The leprosy that was upon Naaman now will be upon you and your household. And immediately leprosy fell upon him. When he, re when he received what his father rejected and the very thing that Naaman got delivered from came on him. Because there was a curse attached to the gift. Why was a curse attached to the gift? Because heaven rejected it. Heaven had not received it. And now he releases a curse, not only on himself, but his whole generation. Whole household. When, it, when, it, when the leprosy fell upon Naaman, the leprosy fell on everything that was in his loins. Are you getting this, ladies and gentlemen? Now, watch this right here. Here is the, the devil coming and blocking and stopping the momentum of the double portion that Elisha received, which would have passed on to Jehazah. Can you imagine Elisha doing double the miracles? Can you imagine that Je, uh, Jehazah would have did quadruple of the miracles that Elisha did? Can you see Heaven progressing in the earth realm. The mantle, the, the power and the authority of the mantle is increasing in the earth. Why? Because God's law of succession is in order. Satan interrupted the, the, the <clears throat> excuse me, Satan interrupted uh, the progress by getting uh, uh, Jehazar. They care more about the things of this realm than the things of heaven. He didn't care about what his master cared about. His spiritual father only cared about the will of God. Jehazah cared about the will of Jehazah. What did he say to him? Watch, watch the response to Elisha again. He said, Jehazah, is it a time for garments? Is it a time for silver and gold? Is it a time for vineyards? It, it, why did he say that? Because he was trying to get him to see. The season that God had uh, Jehazah in, when you are a servant, serving a father, 
Don't look at what the Father have. Look at who the Father is. You want who he has become. You don't want what he has. Jehazi wanted what the man of God had. And I guarantee you, Elijah and Elisha was not broke. Because you never came to the prophet empty-handed. Remember the story in the word of the Lord concerning Saul and his servants when he lost the donkeys? His father's donkey, which was set up by God to meet the man of God, Samuel, the prophet of God, which the Bible said not one of his words ever fell to the ground without it being fulfilled. Looking for the donkeys. Then, then he said, listen, we can't find these donkeys. Then his servant said, there's a man of God that is in Bethlehem that everything he said come to pass. We can go to the man of God, and the man of God will tell us where the donkeys is located. What was uh, um, Saul's response? Saul said, we have nothing to give the man. And that is one of the problems in the church today, such lack of understanding biblical order. Oh, God, help us. And we want to be blessed. I guarantee you, if you ever get anything, you'll never be able to keep it to the fullness if you don't operate in these principles. These are principles and laws that God accepts. We did not establish this. The word of the Lord. But watch this right here. He said, what shall we give the man? I have nothing. Everything we have is, is, is I mean, the milk is molded. Uh, uh, we have no water. Uh, the bread, the, uh, not the milk, the bread is molded. The, the milk is sour. I, we, we have nothing to give the man. And then the service, I have a half shinkle of silver. We will give this to the man that the man can, so the man can tell us uh, uh, everything that we need to know about the donkeys. So they went to the man. They went to him. And he said, listen, the donkey's donkey been found a couple of days ago. But God led you here because he wants to anoint you king. But these are principles. We, we read this stuff, but we just pass right over it. We miss the principle. We miss the principle. And so Jehazi was a man that wanted to become a man of God like Elisha, but his motive was wrong. He wanted to become a man of God so he can get the blessings. He can get the stuff. A man of God rejects whatever heaven rejects because a man of God understands, I live under the influence of heaven. A man of God cannot easily be bribed. A man of God can easily be bought, cannot be bought. A man of God is, 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 is not easily influenced by gifts because he understands his life is continued upon his relationship with heaven. His destiny is continued upon his relationship with the Father God who ordained him and anointed him to be a prophet before he was formed in his mother's womb, who knew who he was before his mother conceived him. That's a man of God. That's a woman of God. But God got to test you with things of this realm, stuff of this realm, to see if he's more valuable to you than the things of this realm. He said, it's not your season for this, Jehazi. Is it a time for silver and gold clothing, changing of clothing and vineyards? Man, don't go after this stuff. Go after God. God will get the stuff to you because he can trust you with it. God can never trust you with what you're not willing to give up. I'm going to say this again. God cannot trust you with what you are not willing to give up. What you are not willing to give up is your God. What you are not willing to release that God asks you to release is your God. It has more of a grip on your heart than God does. And what you don't realize and understanding, you are setting the next generation up. You are creating patterns for the next generation. Do you not understand, all of us that have children on this line, uh, that's on this uh, uh, broadcast, do you not understand that, that our children is born into a pattern that has been created by you and your father? The sins of the father passed to the third and the fourth generation? Sins of the father. You said, what about the mother? Your mother had a father. So it didn't say the sins of the male or female, sins of the father. Your wife has a father. 
and she was born into a pattern that her father created. And don't know why she's dominated by this uh, influence, by this, what she's been influenced by, or why you influenced by what you influenced. A pattern. But we can break it if we understand it. We can put a stop to it and say, you will not pass from me to my children. It cease with me. I cut it off in the name. You can you can break it. You can cut it off, ladies and gentlemen. And you can create a pattern of righteousness, just like the sins of the father passed through the third and fourth generation. The blessings of the father passed through the third and fourth generation. If it just can get to the fourth, Satan going to make sure the sins of the father get to the fourth because he want to keep an iniquity uh, to increase the iniquity pattern in the earth. That it can continue to, to perpetuate itself. It's more difficult to keep a righteous pattern going than it is an iniquity pattern. Because Satan is the God of this world. This whole world lieth in darkness, the scripture says. But the way it is broke, the iniquity patterns is broke, it is broke by somebody. Somebody in the earth has made a determination, I'm going to agree with heaven. I'm going to stand on the unadulterated, infallible word of God. Even if I have to die, I die believing God. I die trusting God. I will die holding on to the unadulterated, infallible word. If there's anybody, if there's anybody that has joined us today, that said with me, the iniquity pattern in my father's bloodline, my mother's father's bloodline, that's been affecting me for years. It's going to cease with me. If there's anybody, it happened with Joseph. When Potiphar's wife tried to manipulate the man, he made a decision to go with God. His decision broke the pattern in his lineage. His decision broke the pattern. Your obedience will break iniquity patterns that has been established in the bloodline of your father, the bloodline of your mother's father, your obedience. And one of the perfect examples, I see my time is based about a, one of the most perfect examples, and think about this right here. I want you to think about it. When God cut covenant with Abraham, do you not realize, those of you that have joined us, do you not realize that Abraham was an idol worshiper? His family, his daddy, Terah, they come from the chat then, they, they were idol worshipers. God made a covenant with an idol worshiper. But when Abraham cut covenant with God, watch this right here. When Abraham cut covenant with God and God said, leave that country and that father's house and go where I should tell you. When Abraham got up by faith and started going, do you not understand that the idolatry in his father's lineage was broken? His obedience to God broke the iniquity pattern of idolatry in his bloodline. His obedience. Because the scripture clearly tells us, ladies and gentlemen, in Romans 6, 16, know you not to whom you yield yourself servant to obey, his servant you are, you are its servant and it's your master. Rather, sin unto death, obedience unto righteousness. You and I can break it. Make a decision to obey God. Make a decision to go all the way with God. Make a decision. Watch what God do. Ladies and gentlemen, my time is up. I pray that you got something from the word of the Lord today. We Maybe we'll continue on tomorrow uh, with these principles. And because God want to create a momentum in the earth to the past of the third and fourth generation, but we got to help the generation. we got to help our children to understand this right here and help our children understand why certain things is coming against them. It's coming against them to come against you, to break their relationship with you so there cannot be a righteous pattern to the third and the fourth generation. God bless you, ladies and gentlemen. This has been your host, Dr. Jimmy Kiss, the Master Key. We pray once again that you will continue to join forces with us in prayer, intercession, and warfare. Let's get this thing right, ladies and gentlemen, because we're doing, God is doing something with us, and we're going to experience something that is extraordinary, that you have never experienced before. But we've got to go with the heavens. We've got to go with the throne of God. 
we've got to go with God himself. We love and appreciate you. Let the rest of your night be blessed. Have a sweet sleep. Once again, this has been your host, Dr. Jimmy Goes to the Master Key. Thank you.